action is character, our English teacher says. I think it means that if we never did anything, we wouldn't be anybody. And I never did anything before I met you. And sometimes I think no one's ever done anything in this whole stupid country, apart from you. Mm. Mm. Andre, do you know what I got with me right now? What, what, Michael? What, uh, uh, I thought, you know, it would be a good idea to bring this banana along with me. I fucking knew it. <laughs> I knew it, dude. <laughs> yep, I, I have this banana, you know, for, for reasons. Uh-huh. Yeah, because this month is a horny fruit month. You, you've heard about peaches. Have you heard about the banana, though? Ooh, what can we do with a banana? <laughs> what, practice sex, haven't you heard? Who hasn't wanted to lose their virginity to a banana? I'm glad it wasn't just me, honestly. <laughs> Goodness gracious, we're back once again on Novel Ideas of the Illiterati, talking about your favorite fruits. And today, we're going to be talking about Lynn Barber's An Education uh, memoir, which she wrote, I think, in her 50s or 60s, and then got turned into a film adaption, which was, uh, the screenplay was written by Nick Hornby, which, who's a fantastic writer, and I hope at some point we get to some of his books. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, this is maybe my first time with an education. Watching the film, I was like, also like going through Mike, the story. Michael, I was like, I think I- I met you at UGA. I know you've gotten one education. Oh, you're right. I got, I got a tiny education. But you know, <laughs> you know, I I haven't gone to the University of Life, so. Mm. Who could forget the University of Life? <laughs> <laughs> Who needs Oxford when you got the University of Life? So yeah, I think I think I've seen this film before. It felt familiar. Andrea, we we did education. How do you feel? Uh, second second third fourth time. I don't know how many times you've gone through this. Yeah, well, how how are you feeling about it? Well. It was my first time reading the memoir. I also didn't know it was a memoir. I just knew it was an adaptation of something. So it was my first time reading it. Pretty surprised someone just lived that. And then how well the movie does follow it. But like, we'll get into it. They definitely add some details in that I think actually work well. Because of the memoir, like this portion, talking about this relationship she had with David was maybe 25% of it. So... I liked it. Lynn is an interesting person. It's probably my third time watching the movie. I still love the movie. I think it's excellently done. They also, another thing, you know, to continue with our last week, I think the time period is done well. It's not over the top, but like they're very subtle. It's mostly like aesthetic things that you notice where you're like, oh yeah, we're in the 60s. But they did the thing that I said that I hate that films do, which is literally pop up a little title card telling you what year it is. You don't need that. Well, you don't need that. If, if 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 everything's of a certain aesthetic, you don't need it. True. I mean, I think considering they're adapting someone's actual life story, if they want to give you the exact year. But also what I like that they... I don't think they did this. I don't think they had the flash of based on a true story. No, I didn't see that. I respect that. I think it just said it was an adaption of an education. 
Maybe. I don't even know if I saw that, now that I think about it. I don't think that we watched the movie at all. (laughs) (laughs) I just went to Oxford. Yeah, uh, this was... It was a really nice story. Interesting story. And, like, uh, this is, I guess, really our... I think it's the second story we've done that's actually based on real events. You know, the other Mm -hmm. one being uh, The Big Short, which is a completely different type of story. But uh, this is the first time, I guess, we've... We're actually really dealing with some a person's real life, like directly, just this specific a specific one person. So it, it's interesting. It'll be interesting going into it and how an adaptation works, adapting a person's life. And I I really liked because the book form that I think we both went through. There's a added prologue. Yes. The prologue was interesting, and it was interesting how. She would, She talked about, like, uh, just herself very specifically, like how she doesn't have a great short-term memory. Mm-hmm. And, uh, no, she has a great short-term memory. She sucks with long-term memory, which also really, like, it made me feel, uh, I was like, how much of this is actually, actually accurate? And she kind of, like, even says that a little bit because people were coming up to her, like, friends and whatnot, and they're like, oh, how does it feel to see a young 16 version of yourself on screen and she was like so disconnected from it because in a way it's not really her she's like how could you see carrie mulligan and then see yourself (laughs) so it's it's interesting i'm like i wonder how much of the memoir itself is even that accurate because like she said she has a she has a shitty long-term memory but her short-term memory is great which she quantifies as being very good for her her journalistic purposes through the rest of her life but she's <laughs> there was like something funny that I, I found like she was like yeah I don't even really even remember if I who I've interviewed in my life because she's just done so many and she just doesn't her her memory doesn't work that way so how much of this is accurate it's interesting to me because the memoir is very especially for this section of the writing there's not too many details it's pretty much it's really written matter-of-factly and it felt very like journalistic in how she writes there's obviously no flurry of adjectives and sort of a visual language but it's like there's not like her remembering dialogue or like even trying to add dialogue and stuff she's just sort of like we did this this and this yeah Um, i met these people but the prologue I, I really actually appreciated coming into it. At first, I was like, maybe I should skip this, but then because it's a really long prologue, <laughs> like it's the prologue's pretty much as long as the section of an education in this book of memoirs. But it was nice to have her sort of talk about how film came to be and the, the surreal aspect of it all, and sort of a little bit of a disconnect between her and the film itself even though she loves the film and in a way there's like certain things that nick hornby did that she felt really added to the story i mean i love a good prologue personally i did not know i was in the prologue i would have listened anyway i know at one point she's talking about not getting cast for a part she wanted in a school play and how she's just crying and i'm like this is oddly specific okay and then i get through that whole bit and they're just like an education and i'm like fuck we just started okay this makes sense this makes sense with what we're doing. <laughs> but also it's funny how she said, it's. I just read this article she wrote where basically she condensed the story 
in case people, you know, I guess don't read the memoir and want to see, like, what's the real story behind an education? And she had said, like, she was honored they thought Carrie Mulligan was a representation of what she looked like at 16. But I saw that picture. Girl was spicy. All right. Girl was definitely spicy. <laughs> if I was a skeevy older man, I, you know, I get it. I mean, I don't get it. But you know what I mean? Um, <laughs> this is starting off. I wrong. get you, creepy older men. I understand you. Oh no, no. You guys know what I mean. I'm not. I don't have to explain myself. Damn it. Yeah, it's like you know. I totally understand uh, the the narrator from Lolita. You know, I totally. That is not it. what I said, Michael. Don't twist my fucking words. <laughs> But, I mean, in a way, like, I actually, I got, like, the whole, like, you know, Lolita's, like, an even younger girl, and it's sort of, like, that same sort of vibe, but this is sort of, obviously, shit like this happens in real life, and it's good to have this story, and it's a, it's, it's different, too. Like, I always forget, like, you know, 16 is, you know, a baby. I guess, adulthood. Well, it's adulthood for the UK. So, like, age of consent is 16 over there, whereas in the United States, it's well, 18. Well, depends on the state. Like, Georgia, I think, is 16 or 17. Jesus Christ, Georgia. Okay, don't don't, don't even start. In, like, Japan and France, it's, like, 13 and 14, respectively. Yeah, yeah. Y'all, stuff is weird. Which I think Japan's on the... I think Japan's on the verge of, of switching that out. That would be good, Japan. That would be good. In case you guys were wondering my opinion on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, take take Andrea's opinion. Let her affect your. Uh, I gotta go. Japan is calling. They want to know. <laughs> uh, the Emperor of Japan. Uh, you know, he, he just wants to speak to me. Which I actually think they have an empress right now. I could be wrong. Anyways, <laughs> so back to an education. Oh yeah, I guess we could do a quick summary of the story. Yeah. All right. So Lynn, when she was younger, in 1962. In case you guys didn't catch the year earlier but Michael talked about it, was going to an all-girls high school and one day was offered a ride by an older man in a nice car. And she was a little wary of it, but she was like, okay, fine, take me home. And he starts taking her out. Her parents are actually into it because he's, you know, you can tell he's kind of well off and he charms them. And they begin this relationship and they go out to like all the kinds of restaurants she's wanted to go out to and concerts she's wanted to see and goes off to Paris and Amsterdam and you know is living a fun life she still wants to go to Oxford and her parents have always wanted her to as well the relationship progresses and David proposes and her parents are actually really excited about that and they're like why do you need to go to Oxford anymore and her school finds out and she's not allowed to do her extra semester that you have to to attend Oxford. So she can't take her exams and she, you know, is done with school for now. And one day her and David are going out. She's in his car. She opens his glove compartment just because she's bored. And she was actually, it's like this weird bit where she's like, I wondered why I've never done this before, but something that day was telling me I should look. And she finds letters addressed to Mr. and Mrs. David, I forget the last name, and realizes David is married. Bronsky or something like that? Maybe? It was something like that. Anyways, go ahead. And so that ends the relationship, although 
I mean, we'll talk about the differences in the stories, but David does try to show up again. And Jenny's father, well, she's Jenny in the movie. Lynn is the author, but her father does get kind of violent with him and almost hit him and went outside and kicked his car and David left. And yeah, she was able to retake her exams and go to Oxford. Happy ending, sort of. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) It's a very interesting tale. And one of those one of the things like added in there like or not really added in there that I, I think um you didn't mention in the summary it was like her really getting close with his friends Danny and Helen yeah yeah and like what a thing that I like I found really interesting in the in the book that is not really like it's sort of I don't know it's sort of not really shown was really she was becoming less infatuated with oh my god i just blanked down his name david all right because dave and davy it confuses (laughs) me she's becoming like she wasn't really that super infatuated with him like she even like kind of calls him ugly in the book (laughs) and basically she really was falling in love with his friends more than him and like basically in a way just sort of like going along with what david wanted but really wanting to just spend time with his friends more and in a way, like, she was saddened when all this shit happened because she wasn't able to really be friends with him anymore. And then at the same time, she was, like, she... It was, like, this is where, like, it's a very coming-of-age story where, like, she, all these adults she's not able to trust. Like, she's not able to really trust her parents. She's not able to trust David. She's not able to trust David's friends because, in a way, they were all kind of keeping stuff from her. Yeah. And she's like, why didn't you... And, and it's in the film as well. Why didn't you, like, tell me about it? And she's... And there's really no good answer for that they should have warned her like she's like fucking 16 17 year old girl she was just caught up in this world of being able to have fun all the time and get random things that she couldn't afford that's another and as as i'm as i'm coming to this conclusion it's sort of something that popped in my head in the book she makes it sound like they're not that well off almost like poor even and the movie doesn't really show that. They sort of come off as like a maybe lower middle, mi- middle class. I don't know what it, what it would look like for that time period because I didn't live it. But like the way their house was and stuff, it, it didn't seem like they were struggling. Yeah, looking at the house, the house looked nice. I also think for that time, keeping a nice home was just expected. But like, you know, her father is worried mm-hmm. about the cost of her education and if they have to get a tutor to help her with her latin you know he goes on this whole rant about money trees yeah because there's like uh, there's all this stuff where like her mother has to work and whatnot which she was like an english teacher if i remember correctly that's sort of something you don't see in the film like the mother is almost portrayed as just like a you know basically she has she has to work in order to like help pay for bills and it's something we don't see in the film but True. it's obviously not needed to tell a good story because this movie did a great job telling the story, but it leaves out some accuracies to Lynn's real life. Very true. So what's interesting is watching this as a young person versus watching it now are very different. When I was younger and also in high school and hating suburbia and feeling stuck there, like many young women, I would also think, you know, it would be nice to meet an older man who also cares about the things I care about 
and and it was part of this like also this whole going to college romantization of meeting like-minded people and like I'm not saying you don't you do but I think you think the the events will be much more intellectual than they are Mm-hmm. Yeah, I never met anyone cool in college. Wow, fuck you. Anyway, and so... <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding, Andrea. You're... If it wasn't for college, we wouldn't have met. We wouldn't have this podcast. That's true. And actually, funny enough, going back and looking at college... I am grateful for the people I met and some of the things I got to do, even if the education itself wasn't, you know, the thing that made the most sense for me at the time in order to have a career. But, you know, that's a whole separate issue. Well, well, we can sort of get into it because, like, Lynn gets into that in, like, the next Well, no, I'm not done with my first bit, Michael, because you felt the need to bully me live for everyone to see (laughs) again. I hope someone's taking notes. (laughs) Anyway... But, yeah, I definitely understand romanticizing an older man. So when I watched this and I was young, I was like, oh, this is a a love story I can get behind. Look at all the fun things they're doing together. And, yeah, watching it older, I'm just like, someone at 16 is a child. And, like, that's the thing. You pick up on things like he's not actually curious about the stuff she has to say about things. They don't talk about... That's why I think she was in love with his friends because... At least Danny was also interested in the cultural things like, you know, the the painters and the music. And David didn't actually talk about any of that stuff. He was just, like, happy to make it happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, David just, like, having power. And it's sort of, like, where, I the whole Lolita shit. Really, it's just the older man feeling like he can control this girl that's way younger. And basically, because the guy's a fucking con artist through and through yeah he just likes being able to manipulate someone to make them think that he's someone that he's not and another connection that i see with lolita is the whole because he was very adamant about trying to like you know give her a nickname and have a nickname for himself oh god that bar is so and, awkward mm-hmm. and uh what what is it mimsy mm, or Minnie something like for, that short, like for Minnie mouse Minnie. and she's supposed to call him bubble yes. up which are horrible nicknames too okay listen guys guys if a nickname happens organically that's cool but if i swear if you just want to like impose this random ass nickname on someone it's gonna be weird Mm -hmm. also like it makes me wonder because you find out at the end she's not the first young girl he's come across and to do so nope i'm wondering like is this a recycled fucking nickname that he just insists on using on young girls because that's even uh he just had that one ready, Probably, because... Yeah. No, I mean, he probably is recycled. It's probably, like... Like, because what you were saying, like, he's not... Re- he really doesn't actually care about her personality, like, things that she actually enjoys. He just likes her as this young, innocent girl that he can have some sort of power over. And honestly, okay, so he is more mm-hmm. messed up about it emotionally in the book versus the movie. And we'll talk about that, too. But mm-hmm. I would honestly say... It seems like he did like her, but that's still bad. Because if you can only find things to like about 16-year-olds, maybe you're liking people for the wrong fucking reasons. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Hey, I heard a little kitty cat. Poppy. Hi, Poppy. She's agreeing. That's right, Poppy. Poppy! Date your own age. That's what Poppy wants to say <laughs> this week. <laughs> Good old Poppy. 
Oh yeah, so the education bit. Okay, mm-hmm. Lynn ta- touches upon it in the in her memoir, but I think the movie explores some of those conversations more because, like we said, actual conversations aren't really shown in the memoir. It's just kind of these things happened when I was sixteen, and I actually really love the bits with the headmistress and yes. obviously Emma Thompson as the headmistress. Harry Potter connection, guys. Mm-hmm. But I really loved... Alright, so what's funny, in the memoir, the headmistress does ask, when she finds out David is Jewish, do you know the Jews killed our Lord? And in the novel, she just goes, well, am I, am I really not allowed to take my exams anymore? And I like that in the film, they give her this... One of my favorite retorted lines in all of movies, you do know our Lord was Jewish. Which I absolutely <laughs> adore, and honestly, I love a bit of revisionist history for someone who could have had that great comeback but didn't get to have it and regrets it later, I'm glad they gave that to her. And it's immortalized in film now. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then, and then the headmistress's like, response to it, she's like, oh, yeah, I bet that's what he would have told you. <laughs> Look, we're all very sorry about what happened in the war, but that's no excuse for this sort of propaganda. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, well, the whole thing you're saying, too, is propaganda. Mm-hmm. As someone who grew up conservative Christian, I, I've, I've heard shit like that before from people, and I'm just like, fuck off. The whole, uh, the interactions with, also with the teacher, like the teacher really, like, looking out for Jenna. And there's not much of that in the memoir. Maybe there's a little bit of it in the memoir, but, like, there's, like, all these great little conversations like the teacher really wants a jenna to secede and like she sees that jenna's a very jenny sorry jenny is a very bright woman and is on her way to to great things and it's so sad when jenny comes back to her when basically she's deciding i don't want to go to college anymore and it's like oh is this what clever gets you you end up just working as a teacher and working living a miserable life and it's just sad because like here's this woman that really cares about jenny and in a way kind of cares about her more than her parents because her parents uh in a way just want something for jenny that doesn't actually exist with through this man and it's uh it's kind of really sad like in a way i felt like the parents loved david more than their own daughter like they kind of like the at least with the father like oh i wouldn't say that all right okay we'll we'll talk about it but but going back to the teacher so honestly it was a good point for the time being 1962 when the headmistress and her teacher are both like you have to get an education and she's like why because from what i see i can become a teacher is all i can do with it and honestly she wasn't entirely wrong for the time Options for women weren't as great as they are now in terms of careers. But, I mean, as we can see through Lynn's story, she starts working for a magazine. And she's one of the first women to do certain things, but she paved the way. And Mm -hmm. it's really goddamn impressive. Yeah. Yeah, we can talk about the parents. (laughs) So what I meant by, like, the father, or even really both the father and mother, sort of loving david more is sort of i guess it's sort of like they were just so infatuated by david and they it was almost like they it was someone being an additional person to their life that they wanted and like it's weird too because like this guy is obviously an older man and his mid to late 30s and it's it's like they threw everything out the window for this 
guy. And either he is that just that good of a manipulator, which he might be, or really they just wanted to have like this rich person added to the family. Yeah. And that's sort of what I sort of saw, at least with the memoir. I think the the movie, in a way, some in some ways makes you feel a bit more sentimental towards the parents because obviously the memoir, you're only seeing it from Lynn's perspective. But they basically toss out everything that they wanted for their daughter just because this rich guy came along. And they're also sort of, in a way, getting gifts from this guy. And I don't know. It's sort of, it's it's weird. True. I mean, I'm going to devil's advocate where, I mean, I wasn't happy with the parents, but they don't say where they're from, but Lynn does mention her parents are immigrants. And growing up in an immigrant family, what I can say is your parents definitely want you to be set in life. That is their main concern is the security of your future. And school has been a great one for that. But also I think it wasn't so much that they were more infatuated with him than their daughter. I would say they just fell in love with him more than she did. And yeah. the chance he provided. But it's interesting to me because why couldn't she get married and also still get an Oxford education? That's one thing that like throws me off is like, hey, go you can you can get married, but you still need to fucking go to school. True. I mean, I do think schools at that time were a bit strict about girls dating. They were way more involved mm. in their lives than now. And her being so young and dating, I don't think they vibed well with that. I mean, also, they do mention that the girls aren't even supposed to be wearing jewelry when she's wearing her engagement ring. And it was um, also a bit like a etiquette school. I know that that was big at the time, was just teaching young women how to be. Yeah. Which sucks. Kind of like in Lolita, where when she when she goes to that school and they're like, oh, we're going to teach her the proper things of basically how to date boys and whatnot. Yeah. So I think there was a bit of that. I mean, there is that really heartbreaking moment you get in the film that you don't in the memoir of her father bringing her the like tea and biscuits and being like, hey, yeah, we fucked up. You did also lie to us about David. And he's talking about hearing on the, on the radio that C.S. Lewis moved to Cambridge and wasn't in Oxford anymore and he's like oh they must have gotten that wrong because our our Jenny met him when she visited Oxford with David that was just really sweet and well delivered kudos to the acting in that scene Mm -hmm. yeah I that scene is very powerful and I think if I remember in the prologue uh Len mentioned sort of how Nick Hornby was able to make her more sympathetic towards her father and I think that was probably one of the scenes that really did that because Lynn True. just sounded very angry towards her father in in the book which rightfully so but and honestly I do think it was very naive of them not well not ill-intentioned but it was very naive to think an older man did just want to hang out with your daughter like even if they assumed yeah clearly there might be something romantic here I don't think they were as bothered by the age difference but at the same time you you gotta be sus of older dudes around your daughter <laughs> like you you just have to and her father does seem to fall into the same trap she does when she says why couldn't I have just been going to nightclubs if this was the aim to get me married and he was like well David wouldn't like you if you were thick would he and I think they've both fallen into this trap of thinking, ah, David also respects her intellect. Right. That has to be part of it, you know? Yeah. Shit, there was something that you said that I had a follow-up to. It was... I had something. Shit. Ah, goddammit. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, I, I blanked out. Goddammit. My short-term <laughs> memory. 
Why can't I have good short-term memory like Lynn? Because if you would go to China, you'd remember it, unlike Lynn. <laughs> That's true. I forgot. Yeah, I love that story. So yeah, in the yeah. memoir, her and her husband, who ends up being David as well, a different David, not this David. Don't don't get that twisted. They're hanging out with someone who had gone to China, and she goes, "Oh man, I would like to visit China one day." And David's like, "You you have been to China?" That's <laughs> just that's, always that's, cute. that's sad to me. Have a well. Oh, there was like. She was, like, talking about, like, she basically didn't fear getting, like, Alzheimer's because, like, her entire life she's never been good at remembering things anyways. So how would she know the difference? Yeah. <laughs> well, we want to... We, we, well, let's talk about changes. Yeah. Because there were mm -hmm. some differences. So yeah. one of the big ones, I would argue the movie made it seem like Jenny had more romantic notions towards David than she actually did. Yes. And to be fair, she never says, I love you. Watching the movie very objectively, she enjoys the things they're doing. I wouldn't say it shows a lot of them having conversations that are very deep, although they have conversations where they're clearly having fun talking to each other. But it's more of, I can see Jenny enjoying the life she can have with David and not so much him. And I think at that age, it's hard to separate. Do I actually like this person or just what we're doing or the idea I have of this person as well? Definitely. But they make it seem way more romantic with the movie. I mean, there's also because there's music and all this stuff, but that was a big difference for me. And also when she finds out about the fact that there is a wife, that goes down very differently because she doesn't actually confront David in the story, she goes home, she looks up the number and calls and hears that there's a child crying in the background and is like, good God, there's not only a wife, but a child and tells her parents and the wife actually comes around and has a conversation with her mother that she, and, her, and her dad that she's not a part of. And then her mother's the one that tells her later, apparently you weren't the first one. Mm -hmm. And I actually think that would have probably been a way more how things happened in the time. Someone would have come to, the adults would have come and conversed about it instead of like, she kind of just shows up at their house one day and sees the wife yeah. in the movie and the wife is like, oh crap, you're young. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't wait like the way it was presented if I had one sort of like gripe, it's the how that was presented in the film. I like the way it was actually done in real life. It makes more sense to me, and also like it just uh, it ends abruptly in the in the movie. Like she just sort of just randomly walks off, and it felt a little awkward. Mm -hmm. I, I I do yeah. I wish they I wish they didn't change that. Another th one thing that they left out that I think was a good was a good thing for that 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 Lynn or not good, but sort of a beginning recognition of who Simon is his name. Isn't his name Simon? Mm -hmm. We've been calling him David. He is, he is a David. He is a David? I thought his name was Simon, or is in the, just in the book it's Simon. Simon was the young boy in the movie. Okay. I'm, all right, whatever. All right. Anyways, when she's like, when they're going off and like basically they frequent a certain bookstore because... Oh my God, you're right. Sorry. Yeah, it's Simon. <laughs> It's Simon. Oh, no. Yeah, we've been calling him David this entire time. His name's Simon. Well, he's David in the movie. I know, I know. Yeah. Uh, name changes. It confuses the hell out of us, which works well because I think he changes his name in the book. But uh, they, they frequent this bookstore, and basically he would, buy, he would buy Lynn books. And one day, Lynn decides to go to the bookstore by herself, and uh, the shopkeeper is like, Oh, where's the uh, where's your boyfriend? And she's like, what boyfriend? I don't have a boyfriend. Um, she's like, well, at least the man that you hang out with. Um, basically, he's and he tells her like, you need to tell him to basically never come back around or pay up his dues because 
his checks were bouncing. And so it's like the beginning of, and that's where she also learns what his last name is. Like, cause I think he gave her a different last name and he's like, it, she like goes back and confronts Simon. She's like, oh, do you know who Brunsky or whatever their last name was? And do you know anyone with that last name? He's like, yeah, my mother. He's like, well, the shopkeeper was saying this. And then like, he's like, oh, well, just don't go to that shop anymore. Or if you do just say we're not seeing each other anymore. And it's sort of the beginning of Lynn realizing that this guy is a con artist, but she still sticks around with him. And in the movie, you don't get that. The, this, this view of Jenna in the movie realizing fairly early that this man is a con artist um you sort of get that when they do the whole c.s lewis thing but she's in on it um Mm -hmm. but with the 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 movie the memoir and the real story it's sort of she picks up on it but she's okay with the con because she's getting things yeah and like she has this line in her memoir where she said, I told him if I ever thought you were stealing something, I would leave. And he says, I know you would, but she does know he's stealing. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, and the other, the other big difference is when, okay, when she finds out in her life, in real life that he's married, you know, she's all like, take me home. And she deals with it on her own first. Whereas in the movie, they're all going out to dinner together. He's taking her family out for dinner, I guess, to celebrate the engagement. Mm -hmm. And she finds the letters and is immediately like, you're going to take us home right now. And then she sends her parents in the house and she's like, what are, I'm not going to school because of you. What are you going to do? And he's like, I'll talk to them and I'll leave my wife. And she's like, well, go in and tell them. And he like drinks this wine and he's like, ah, I'll be in there shortly. And she's like, she's like, I think she can start to tell like he's not going to do it. And like, there's that really great acting, but like she kind of starts crying then and is like, don't make me tell them myself. Mm -hmm. And for someone who has been in a relationship where you have to make excuses for your significant other when they fuck up, I felt that. Right. And he leaves. He doesn't actually come in. Right. And that's the end of seeing him in the movie. Whereas in the memoir, okay, so this was fascinating to me. We talked about the bit where he actually comes back around because he doesn't know that she knows yet and her father like gets really pissed off and kicks his car and he leaves. He does also just like show up while she's like still studying and she can see his like maroon sport car Mm -hmm. hanging out. And when she does end up going to Oxford, like one of the nuns comes up to her and is like, there's a note for you. Yeah. And he had, like, signed it Bubble, like, as the nickname, which, like, God, dude, don't you know when something isn't working? But, and she tells the nun, like, that man's a con artist. Don't let him come here. Yeah. And she's also, she has a boyfriend at this time. And he reached out to her again and invited her for dinner. And her boyfriend's like, I actually want to meet this guy. Yeah, so I thought that was great. for dinner. <laughs> See, I wish that was in the film. I think that's such, like, a great... Like, basically, closure for the story is sort of, like, she now has a new boyfriend, and she's beyond him, and they show up at dinner. Like, I'm, like, I think that would be, like, a great, powerful ending. Like, I, I feel the ending in the movie is a little awkward, because it's just, it, it turns into a uh, voiceover of Carrie Mulligan saying, oh, I'm in at Oxford, now I have a new boyfriend. I, I like th- I liked the, the next chapter in the book, where it's it's about the the college experience and I th- and, and like 
it shows us basically what because of all the shit that happened to her she wasn't she's no longer felt like she could trust her parents or adults in general she's now doing her own thing she's very promiscuous in college and and then like finally gets like has a sort of long-term boyfriend i don't know if this boyfriend was how long they were together but long enough for her to call him her boyfriend and this that that dinner is is such a great scene or the thing that happened in in lynn's life and i'm like Ah, it would have been great like sort of see this character change for 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 jenna in the movie and sort of grow and keep her name's jenny michael jenny jenny no but, but what's funny to me about that scene is like she's annoyed because her boyfriend's also really curious about him and is kind of entranced by him and all his stories because that's something they did leave out of the movie is because probably because it would have clued us into him a bit more but he's talking about molotov cocktails and stuff that of course he knows is going to be interesting to a young person because it's something they don't know and i think it's honestly one of his cards that he's like "Ooh, i can tell them stories about a life they haven't lived they're gonna think i'm fascinating and she actually gets annoyed that her boyfriend like actually genuinely likes him and thinks he's an interesting person right <laughs> well, well it's great that's great too because like in the memoir she's like oh i've heard these stories so many times they're boring <laughs> to me and you also learn through the memoir that david did go to jail for a while for like the whole fake check issue and his checks bounced yeah i think it was like six months or something mm-hmm. there was like 120 other charges he could have been charged for or something and also like i think that was before they had dinner so like they show up and she's like how are you gonna even pay for dinner and her boyfriend's like apparently like really horrified because he's never heard her talk that way to anyone <laughs> yeah and he like pulls out like some bank notes or something if i remember correctly mm-hmm. uh yeah like it's a fucking great segment that i wish was in the movie like it's i get like maybe they just wanted to keep it oh just a high school girl or whatever it is in the uk not high school but it's i don't know it would have it would have been great to see that with with live action and it's such a great awkward scene and a great way to show that jenny is over him without a sort of monologue type thing yeah and what's interesting i don't think she even had to get over him like she does describe this period of her life after finding out that he's married she's like in her room listening to angsty classical music which you know relatable but I don't even think she's more mourning like I think the loss of the friends and the fact that she was conned by someone who she thought cared about her because I I don't think the very romantic notions were there for her. She seems to know there's a transactional quality to their relationship in the memoir Mm -hmm. because she talks about at one point that by the time she turned 17 you know she was waiting to lose her virginity and she figured at that point the debt of all the dinners and things he had bought her needed to be erased which is sad but also like makes sense for the time that someone would have that sort of mentality instilled in them right definitely yeah i mean i wouldn't say like getting over him romantically because i don't think she ever really she was never really in love with him especially in the memoir but it was more of like getting over him as i guess a person that's sort of like this manipulator this person that you keep coming back to and whatnot i think like the dinner scene was sort of like her finally cutting ties in the book yeah i love uh i do love this line they added in the movie like very early on where she's hanging out with her fellow classmates and (laughs) 
She's like, when I'm older, I will move to Paris and wear black and never speak. And, like, this is the idea she has of sophistication. And honestly, I'm like, same. Like, I, I would love to do that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Hey, we still can. We'll have, a, we'll have a podcast where we don't speak and just wear black. <laughs> that sounds great. <laughs> and I love how she's describing that at this time she had just discovered reading uh, Albert and she was like I, I was going through my the start of my existentialism and it was not very existential or sophisticated to ask questions so that worked out for David because I just didn't ask him questions about what he did mm-hmm. yeah that is great oh well I will say some things that were done differently you have I guess in both ways the movie kind of dramatizes this but the school did not want her to continue to be there as a young engaged person mm-hmm. that was not good for i guess reputation i think that's part of it too these schools had a reputation of keeping girls out of trouble so if things went wrong with this older man the school wanted to be like not our students Mm-mm, right get out so they don't let her do her extra semester but in the movie it makes it seem like she wasn't allowed to take her exams but in real life, she did take the exams and got her grades back and was like, screw you guys, I got an A in Latin and everything else. I could have gone to Oxford. And her dad actually goes to talk to the school. And through him, they allow her to sit. Or like they had allowed her to sit the exams as a pupil, but they didn't want her to actually attend. And after he talks with the school, the English teacher herself reaches out and is like, okay, I'll help you. Mm-hmm. But I do love the friendship that was in the movie between her and this teacher. And also, like, I love that she goes to this teacher's home and is like, oh, shit, she is interested in the things I'm interested in. I just never bothered to ask and assumed she had this, like, dull life. Right. Sometimes life gives you an education. True. Oh, my God. Can we talk about the lines they gave Helen? Like, poor Helen. She wasn't... She was more quiet than full-on dumb in, in real life. From what Lynn said but in the movie they gave this poor girl so many stupid moments yeah. like when she's worried about her Latin grades and she's like oh don't worry a friend told me that in 500 years no one will speak Latin anymore not even the Latin people <laughs> and like <laughs> this poor girl and I love I love in her memoir where Lynn's like I knew she was dumb and my biggest fear was that Danny would find out and leave her for it because she loved them both so much and wanted them to stay together yeah that's yeah but also how dare you andrea not tell me that rosamund pike was in this film look rosamund pike is a goddamn treasure oh i love her (laughs) she's ah yeah fucking wonderful wonderful actress um also excellent audible book narrator Mm -hmm. good god yeah i wish i could have her read to me every night same But yeah, um, oh yeah, last, oh, our Harry Potter connection, obviously Emma Thompson, who just loves being a figure of higher education for people. (laughs) What's up? And also I noticed this time around, one of her classmates that she hung out with and smoked cigarettes with was, um, I don't know the actress's name and I'm sorry, but she's in Game of Thrones. She's Jojen Reed's sister Mira. Oh, how about that? That's the same actress. The UK has, like, ten actors, man. You see them all at some point. Yeah, it's the same thing with, like, (laughs) have you ever watched, like, a lot of Canadian films? It's, like, always, like, the same people over and over again, which, uh, 
Maybe maybe I should move to Canada and become an actor. Yeah. I'll do it. And then I can star in every Canadian film. <laughs> there we go. There was a lot of cat noises in this one, so I hope you guys are fucking happy. I'm here for it. <laughs> I'll edit out I'll edit out all your talking parts and just leave Poppy. <laughs> You're right, Poppy. Good point. I like that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I never thought of it that way. Mm. So yeah, that's uh, <laughs> this was Lynn Barber's uh, An Education. A great coming-of-age story. For all you young ladies out there, don't get in weird relationships with way older men twice your age. That can end well. And you know what? It's a good time for one of my favorite quotes, which is a Lady Gaga quote. She talks about how young women would come up and tell her, like, ah, it's between my relationship and this next step in my career. And she tells them, your career will never wake up and tell you it doesn't love you. And if that's not a fucking Damn. great piece of advice, I don't know what is. Damn, Lady Gaga. I know. <sighs> and you, she would know because she got an education at Tisch School of the Arts. Shit. That's right. Don't go to college, it's a scam. Just kidding. Just think hard before you go to college and what you're going to college for and don't end up strapped with with a lot of debt because some college is a scam if they push it on you. And also, don't let anyone push things on you. Mm-hmm. Do what you love. And also realize that what you do in your undergrad doesn't really affect what you do uh, if you want to do grad school. So. Yeah. yeah. If you want to have a promiscuous phase, that is perfectly fine because Lynn did and Lynn... All right, let's talk about Lynn, the adult. Because Lynn... As we talked about, went on to work at Penthouse for seven years Mm -hmm. and has gotten a bunch of goddamn awards for journalism, but she's also written for the Vanity Fair, the Sunday Times, the Daily Telegraph, and the Observer. Be like Lynn. Be like Lynn. I want that on a button so I can wear that around. Yeah, she's gotten the Interviewer of the Year at the British Press Awards six fucking times, so, you know. Goddamn. Did great. Mm Mm-hmm. All right, and next month, y'all, we are going to be covering sci-fi things. Keep your ears peeled for Annihilation, Naked Lunch, 2001, Space Odyssey, Childhood's End, and Metropolis. And I think we're starting off with 2001, Space Odyssey. A big one. What? A big boy. A Stanley Kubrick film, once again. Like, the most... The most lauded movie I haven't seen yet, so I'm really fucking excited. Gr- like, I, I, I'll get into it next week, but. <laughs> I don't know. It seems like you want to start now. I, I was like, I was like, I could talk, talk to. You about I was it. like, I could talk about it now or talk about it like next week, uh, but uh, I'll, I'll save it for next week. And Poppy apparently has has watched it plenty of times. This one's Violet. Oh, Violet! Violet's uh, a huge Stanley Kubrick fan. Me. This is cute. <laughs> All right, guys, join us next week. Uh, In space. More, more space. <laughs> more, more awesome conversation, titillating even. Mm-hmm. More, more kinky fruit. We'll tie it in somehow. Oh yeah. Just uh, come around. Also, God, I needed to shout out what Sweden. Shout out Egypt. What? Norway. People who were were ranking high in your book podcast and i don't know why but fucking thank you hey um wow 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 thanks everyone y'all fucking rock thank you we can't do this and shit without email y'all. us 
Yeah. At a literati confirmed at Gmail. Also literati confirmed on Instagram. On TikTok. There's one TikTok video. I don't fucking know mm-hmm. what we're doing on TikTok. We'll, we'll figure that out. Email Just, us in Latin yeah. if you feel like it. Uh, leave us a review. I don't care what it is. Yeah. I mean, it's nice if it'd be good, if it'd be nice. But, you know, we we could use all the reviews we can yeah. get. I, I appreciate constructive criticism. Bully Michael for bullying me. What? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. I'm, what? No. Uh, cool. Uh, we'll see y'all next week and as we're traveling through the cosmos. So, uh, see y'all yeah. then. Bye. Don't date older men. Read a fucking book. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> How far advanced are these ridiculous plans? Have you set a date? Have you decided on a church? We won't be getting married in a church. David's Jewish. Jewish? He's a Jew. You are aware, I take it, that the Jews killed our Lord. And you're aware, I suppose, that our Lord was Jewish.